Hey ladies, welcome to WTF, Women Talking Frankly, a running conversation with your hosts, Kyle and Candace. And you, about issues facing women, such as health, hormones, our looks, our libido, life, and anything in between. We promise to dig deep and get into it each episode. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. Today we're going to talk about a new topic that's really near and dear to our hearts. We have two lovely physical therapists with us today from Connect Physical Therapy in Lake Oswego, and Candace will introduce them in a few minutes. But I met one of them a couple of years ago um, at my practice, and I reached out to her to be a guest on our podcast, and she came up with a really interesting idea for a podcast. Um, called Investing in Your Future, Building a 401k for Your Body. And I just love the concept of this because so many of us are active and we exercise throughout our lives, but often as, as, as young people, we don't realize that we might be doing permanent damage to ourselves. And some of us who are older now may have done that damage already. So we're going to look at both prevention as well as what we can do if we've already messed up ourselves to maintain uh, fitness. And um, these two physical therapists are, have decades of experience. They've worked together for 35 years, and they help people recover from their injuries, and they're dedicated to getting their patients back to a functional lifestyle. Um, and like Candace and myself, we often see clients who are in their fifth decade and beyond of life, which we are, and there's still so much we can do to prevent illness and maintain wellness. But just think what we could do, um, what we could accomplish if we could get this message to young people who really have, you know, I always say, you know, we say youth is wasted on the young. I always tell my kids, don't waste it. Because, you know, you, you, and you're young and you, get, and you do sports and you do sports over and over again. You get these, you know, constant injuries. And you don't realize the damage that you're doing to your body. So today we're going to look at that prevention as well as how to optimize fitness, wellness, functionality, moving, strength, and flexibility. That's mm-hmm. a big one as we age. Mm-hmm. Candace was an avid skier when she was younger. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of impressed with her. She actually taught skiing. But <laughs> like she told me when she was younger, she would get injured and she'd actually get cortisone injections in her knees and go back out on the slope. So we know what that does to your body. And now she can't ski and, and so she has this pain. And I know she's mentioned to me many times she'd like to do yoga, but doesn't feel like she can because she has knee pain. So We'll probably talk about that today. I myself, I've been very active as a youth. I did swimming, walking, hiking. Now I play tennis. I do golf. I do Pilates. I'll do anything anybody asks me to do. But I had knee issues this year. I had two torn meniscus, the same knee. I was unable to play for, uh, tennis for a while. Got some stem cell shots, and I'm so happy I can do that again. But I want to maintain my flexibility and my wellness mm-hmm. and my strength because. I'm in my 60s, but I don't plan on stopping until I'm in my 90s, so there you go. (laughs) So I think this topic is going to be um, a great one, and I'd like Candice to now introduce our guests. Well, thank you, Kyle, for that great introduction, and I had the honor of reading these very impressive bios. Um, I'll start with you, Diane. You're the founder, owner of Connect Oregon, and... You grew up in Northern California in the land of the wonderful giant redwoods and beaches, Um, and you came to Oregon for college. Where was that? Oh, from Willamette University in Salem, and you got your degree in biology. Uh, Prior to completing your physical therapy education at University of Puget Sound, 
a primary focus in practice for you has always been mind-body integration. So you've been ahead of the game. <laughs> you've been doing this for Maybe 30 so. years. <laughs> and finding new and creative ways to help par- patients partner with you in their health and injury recovery. You are focused on furthering your professional skills to best serve your orthopedic patients. Um, and you are both an orthopedic specialist as certified by the American Physical Therapy Association and a certified manual physical therapist through the North American Institute of Manual Therapy. Wow. That's a lot. It's okay. a lot. Yeah, so that's so you are qualified to be on this show today. <laughs> Excellent. So. You Excellent. know whereof you speak. <laughs> yes, she does. And, and Deanne Dowdery, Dowdery, how am I saying? Doherty. Doherty. Yeah. Um, you are also a PT, and you guys have worked together for three decades, sounds yeah, like. Over that. It's um, amazing. You have to tell us how you met. Uh, so you grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, and graduated from the Mayo Clinic School of Health-Related Sciences in Rochester, Minnesota in 1981, so we won't try to reveal your age or anything. <laughs> she looks with, very young. Yes, yeah, she does. Uh, with the Certificate in Physical Therapy, you're both a certified orthopedic specialist and a manual physical therapist, as are you, Diane. And you specialize in the biomechanical evaluation and treatment of distance runners. Wow. At Connect Physical Therapy in Lake Oswego. I'd like to hear more about biomechanical evaluation. And you live in the right place to work with distance runners because mm-hmm. Oregon Absolutely. is the running capital. That's right. <laughs> Track Who is that guy? Prefontaine? Mm-hmm. Oh, so many. Deanne began studying Iyengar yoga in 1989, and you've been a yoga teacher since 2000. You're also a USA track and field level two long distance running coach. You have a coaching certification from the Roadrunners Club of America. I just had that little sound in my head. Meet, meet. <laughs> and was one of the coaches of the Portland Marathon Training Clinics for 20 years. Wow, I'm getting intimidated here. Deanne has been a committed distance runner for almost 50 years. So what kind of distance do you run? Well, I used to run a lot more. So when I was younger, I well, I, I started out in track and cross country. I started when I was 13, and I'm wow. 62 now. So Nice. So I... I watched the Olympic trials in the summer of 72, and I thought, I, I should try that. So I went out and I ran, and I've been running ever since. Oh, I, that's so great. I ran track and cross country, or, well, track in high school, track and cross country in college, and went to the marathon. And then I went, uh, when I turned about 35, I went back to the track. Marathons just weren't my thing. I didn't enjoy them, and uh, I didn't feel like I ever lived up to my potential in those. And so I went back to the track and ran master's track. And when I was 40, I took up the steeplechase, which if you don't wow, know what that I is. Wow, I do know what that it's is. Those, those, and they're barriers. They're, they don't are... go down. You go down if you hit them. And then there's a water jump, too, which is just wow, crazy. That's impressive. But it was so much fun. It was the most fun I've ever had. And then, unfortunately, kind of the wheels came off oh, about seven years ago. I, I probably from the jumping the hurdles, I don't know, but my, uh, I have arthritis in my hips now. So I'm only running maybe every other day, nothing mm. near the mileage. But you know, the thing is, I can still run, which a lot of people can't. And I, you know, I use it. It's really my mental health treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, we get that's, that. Yeah. We get that totally. The runner's high. I wrote well, an article about that mm-hmm. one time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about the endorphins and all that. Yeah, you'll have to talk more about that. Yeah, that's right. Tell us, Diane, how you how you two connected and how you started Connect. 
and um, your background. Okay, so um, my background would be um, my come from a family of physical therapists. My dad was a PT. Wow! Wow! And um, it, in looking at careers. Um, being around him, everything was always fun. Lots of laughter, lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm, and um, kind of headed down that pathway because I like to help people, and it seemed like a, a fun career. So um been most of my career working in orthopedics, but started early in my career and um, had the opportunity to work in pain management where learning about that mind-body integration. And I guess really the most important thing is that what you think, what you feel uh, definitely impacts your physical health as well. And mm -hmm. the amount of power and control that we possess mm -hmm. inside ourselves that often we'll just um, think, oh, that's something outside of my control, or that makes me super anxious, or that makes me super angry. Okay, go ahead. So what we often think is that our feelings and our emotions are outside of our control, but we actually have the opportunity when we learn some relaxation techniques, learn some self-awareness techniques, and I use a tool called biofeedback that helps people um, pair their um, physical um, um, experience with their uh, emotional experience. And it's a really fun process um, to make the biofeedback. There's a fun little tagline that is that it makes the invisible visible. So, so often we think, I can't control my heart rate. I can't control my stress experience. And we can, but we just don't know how to feel it or get to it or touch it. And the biofeedback makes that little bit visible. So so that's a lot of my background. And then orthopedics. And Deanna and I met, again, many, many years ago practicing together. We've grown up, uh, did all the same manual therapy training and orthopedic certification, so. um, which is hours and hours and hours of continuing education, learning a lot about that biomechanical assessment that you wondered about. And um, uh, had a I had a son when I was much later and close to 40 and at that point in our uh, my career had the opportunity to sell a practice and then work very much around the um, edges of my life while I was raising my son and we continued to share space during that time and then about nine years ago um, we thought we got one more run in us, and so uh, we opened Connect Physical Therapy and um, have Can been... Can you give us the website so people hear it right, right sure. off? Sure. It's Connect Oregon, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, Oregon.com. Okay. And our focus in the practice, there are actually six, soon to be seven physical therapists in the practice. Um, we're primarily an orthopedic um, manual and biomechanical assessment practice, but we also have uh, pelvic wellness PTs, and I think you guys are going to have an opportunity... I saw that to chat with a couple mm -hmm. of them uh, a little later this summer and talk a lot about um, how physical therapy can impact pelvic um, health and wellness, everything from um, continence issues and pain issues. So so when you first have a client come to your practice, what is, how do you evaluate them? What, what's, your, what's your focus? Is that the biomechanical evaluation that you always do? Yeah. So okay. we... Um, we love to take the opportunity to look at the whole patient. And so when somebody comes in, let's say for hip pain, um, you could just look at them through a very small microscope and think, okay, what tissue hurts? And you can palpate just mm -hmm. the hip. But we are very interested in why did that hip get painful in the first place? So you could treat the victim or you can track back and look at what's the cause of that hip pain. Is it something that's happening in their foot or ankle as their foot hits the ground and those forces are translated up the hip? Is it something that's occurring in their back that those, um, you know, a lack of mobility or strength or coordination somewhere else in the, in the uh, chain of command? Uh, for the body... Um, 
could impact the hip. So we look at how the body moves. We look at what's mobile, what's not mobile, what's strong, what's weak. Um, and then we tried to put together an assessment for people about home exercise, you know, modifications in their work um, situations, maybe modifications in their current home program. Yeah, and we do, you know, we do a whole history of all of, you know, really any injuries they've had previously, any trauma, car accidents, even a bad ankle sprain when they were a kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, that can show up later on. Mm -hmm. And so we, and with the runners or athletes, we we really need a full athletic history because it's not only your chronological age, it's also your age in in your sport that you Mm -hmm. do. So if you have done this sport for years and years, you're going to be different than somebody who just took it up two weeks ago and maybe overdid it the first few times they went and worked out. So it's it's really, we, we like to look at our patients as each, everybody has their own story. Everybody's yeah. an individual. And what we come up with is a treatment plan. We talk to them. What do you want? Why are you here? What mm-hmm. do you want to do? And then we kind of, I will kind of go through, we'll say, well, this is, this is what I see and this is what you want to do, let's see how we can get you to that. I know that when uh, I've hurt my back a few times over the years in car accidents and different things, I know the people I've gone to have actually looked at the shoes I was wearing, Mm -hmm. as well as how I pick up things when I bend over, Mm -hmm. even to the point where I was driving a Volkswagen bug about 10 years ago, and my was a chiropractor at the time said to me, I think your car is making you worse. (laughs) And he was right. I would get out of the car and I could barely stand up. And when I changed cars, the ergonomics of that car mm-hmm. particularly was mm-hmm. just killing my back. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sure you, you you ladies do the same thing. I feel like a detective a lot right? of times. Right. And I, it's like you're just having to drill down in there and figure out what is the cause. Because mm-hmm. you can treat a knee forever and, and maybe it doesn't get better because you haven't addressed the other things that are contributing to mm-hmm. it. The complicating and, factors. And I, I'm, I'm sure you must address if people are overweight. Uh, that must be a big factor in nutrition. Do you look at people? I mean, a lot of people who are heavier will have more knee problems, true? You know, there's probably some truth to that, but it's not always the biggest issue. There are often a lot of other things going on. Like a lot of of women especially are what we call hypermobile, and so they just Mm. have too much motion in their joints. It's just how they came out of the factory. It's, you know, how they were put together. And, you know, that, that's something you can't change. And so we have to address all those factors. And, you know, really, I, I guess I don't really always address weight directly. I just, let's get you active. Let's get mm-hmm. you doing what you want to do. And we do deal a little bit with nutrition. Um, it's a little bit, I mean, it's a little bit out of our scope, but, you know, we do address some of those things. Yeah. We so, also look at some what sorry, but what are some of the limiting factors for people? What are some of the barriers to their getting better? So there are, you know, social challenges of they don't have um either time or the energy to do the exercise that they want, kids, work, you know, finding that work life balance. And so asking people on intake, really listening to them carefully about what can you do? You know, I I ha we have more exercises to provide for somebody than mm-hmm. you could shake a stick at, but we have to resist the uh, the temptation to just load it up, load yeah, it up, keep yeah. asking him to do more and more. When really, if we are targeted in our evaluation, we really understand mechanically what's wrong with the individual and then can give them some targeted things to work on. Um, it out, Often outcome is better than when you just, you know, here's, here's 25 things you can do. And that's overwhelming for many people. Some people love to spend all day exercising. But. Well, would you say that um, the majority of patients are having the injuries because they're 
active, or are you seeing a lot of people that are inactive having an injury? Is it a common economy? Because I think that people who are active, like me and Candace, it's not hard to motivate us to be active and do those exercises because you want to get back to your your baseline. And yeah. how about people who are inactive? Do you see a difference in how you motivate people? I think it well, – let, Deanna, I'll let you jump in in a second. It's just I think that it is how you invite people into the journey with you, that you find out again what they're capable of committing to in terms of time and energy. And then uh, if you can find a goal, even say the inactive person that is having maybe a degenerative arthritis problem that mm-hmm. is not injury-induced but is just life-induced and you know joints just tend to wear out – if you can find an activity that they really want to do, get on the floor to play with grandchildren perhaps, and you can start to build a program for them and they can begin to see progress towards that goal, they'll be motivated to do the activity. I think it's finding um, what's the key. I think, like Deanne said, we're, I sometimes feel like like that, a detective or really a good novelist. You're trying to write this, help that person write their story, mm-hmm. find their pathway that will work for them. And then certainly we see a lot of wounded warriors that, you know, whether they're weekend mm. athletes or we treat, we still treat uh, young uh, adults, kiddos that come through with um, athletic injuries as well. This pandemic season, we've seen a lot of people with a lot of sitting thing, issues, you know, sitting at either in chairs that were are not appropriate for sitting eight hours a day, seeing people that are working in um, computer setups that are really not very successful on a couch with a laptop propped up on top of their knees, <laughs> heads <be> forward. <laughs> Guilty. Right? Yep. right? Exactly. So we're seeing, you know, a lot of that inactivity or prolonged activity and not great position and posture. You well, know, in, in our world here, we're talking to women of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so we talk about our last interview was talking about hormones and mm-hmm. how they influence our strength and stamina. But uh, so there's, you know, there's all those pieces of nutrition and the hormones and the, the mind body thing. But if you, who, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious with women our age, because that's our audience. What do you find with people that come in who have been athletic? Like take someone mm-hmm. like me, mm-hmm. let's be a narcissist, Candace, <laughs> and talk about, but someone like me who's 70, going to be 73, I was a big skier. I, I did all the sports and I was very athletic. But at a very early age, I had a knee arthroscopy. I skied with a bad knee. I skied on it for years. Um, I had the cortisone shots, and then I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. I would go in and have cortisone shots and then have the fluid drained out of my knee, and then I'd go in and have another cort- – and then I started getting interested in health and wellness and thought, I'm not doing that anymore. So I, st- I went on a juice fast. And cutting out, I mean, nutrition-wise, that helped me to stop eating, you know, crap food, which you do when you're younger. But now at this age, um, you know, Kyle and I have had this conversation. She has encouraged me, maybe I should go get stem cells or maybe I should. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of in this place mm. where I feel like I had those years. I don't need to, I mean, I skied every day for however many years. So I've done that. But I now I'm just happy to kind of get a good walk in. Mm-hmm. But my hips are killing me. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to stop in the middle of my walk and move around. Um, I'm getting cramped. You know, there's just all this stuff. And I think when you're older, what do most women that you see want? What do they want out of this third act? Yeah. Do they want to be skiing again and, and competing with their kids? Or do they just want to be able to move you know, in a way that doesn't hurt their hips or doesn't hurt their back? Because it's like every accommodation you make 
creates another problem. Yeah. Well, when yeah. your knee exactly. hurts, especially, you know, you're, I've you're had probably, a really bad. You're, I comp, you're I compensating. Move my knee past this. Mm. I would That's think it. that you're probably compensating a lot, which is probably I know, causing been, your hip so pain. There, I'm just, I'm just using me as a study right. case study because yeah. I'm typical yes. of many totally. boomers yes. who were very, very active and would like to continue to be. But it's kind of this thing when you say finding people where they're at. It's like, what do you really want? Do you do you want to be back? to skiing again all the time or do you just want to be able to do you want to be able to play tennis with your friend Kyle or do you want to just have a good long walk and mm-hmm. not have hip pain mm-hmm. while you're walking mm-hmm. I mean, you what, to, what the, should we be shooting for at this age yeah. do you help people set realistic goals I would think it, yeah that's I would think exactly that's, I mean what is a realistic goal I mean well for me yeah. I know I mean yeah. I used to be very fast when I was yeah. young I was a quick runner but I, I don't I don't have any aspirations to have that I just want to be functional mm-hmm. as free of pain as I can and move much healthy and fun and do as much and and have as many activities i know now that i probably shouldn't do yoga because lunges aren't good for my knee why mess with that you know do well, something i don't know i think we might disagree yeah, with you okay about well, that, good. You know, doing well i had one physical yeah, therapist like not, to hear about that i had yeah. a physical therapist told me she thought i should never do lunges again so interesting but maybe you guys can tell what? me something so different. you don't do lunges but you can still do yoga right? or you do a lunge but you modify how you do it and that exactly oh, that would be all great about it's all about modification it's and it's yeah. all about what do you want to do well, this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a stiff knee, and maybe there's some weakness in the hips, and maybe we need to address that. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be able to walk, you know, let's get you in the right shoes. Let's start you at a reasonable level and build you up gradually, because a lot of times people just, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they've been athletic, they think, oh, I can do this. I, I can go and... In your you know. mind, you can oh, do sure, it. Oh, sure, sure. You still exactly. see yourself yeah. as pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But your body yeah. just can't... It's it's being... It's having realistic expectations, yeah. you know? It's it's really finding... And I love doing this. This is, this is what I just adore, because people come in, it's like, you know, I used to run... I can't run as much anymore. Well, let's figure out how much can you run. Mm-hmm. Let's put you on the elliptical. Let's put you on a bike. You know, let's get you doing something else where you're mm-hmm. not putting weight on that part of your body that's hurting. And and maybe you can do you can go for walks, but let's deal with those other things first and then get you started walking. Do you and find people have to have to kind of find new goals because they have to give up because when you have to give up something that you're really good at oh yeah, yeah it takes it takes some getting over that oh yeah and deciding you're telling who, me you were just saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. you tell all of us right i think yeah. i think one of the things that we see in our practice all the time when we talk about it is that the the key to exercising successfully as you age is to diversify so yes. when you're 30 mm-hmm. you can run seven days a week you can run 100 mile weeks and and um and not have a whole lot of difficulty. But as we age, we have to use our capital wisely. And so doing the same activity day over day over day is probably uh, leads to injury for lots of people. So, you know, maybe you're queued up to run one day a week, but then you need to do a day that maybe is in the pool, or then you, the next yeah. day you do something that's a, a cycling activity, or then you do a yoga that meets your limitations. They're you know, as Deanna is an Iyengar, um, sort of an Iyengar-based uh, exercise, or sorry, yoga instructor. I think you call it alignment-based right. yoga. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, that's all about modifying. So it's not that you can't do something, but it's here's how you might do it. And and even, Sabi, I'm not saying you should return to skiing, Candace, without looking at you or your knee or how you move. But could you still ski, but in a different manner or in a different intensity? For some people, it's not worth it because your 
um, vision of yourself as a skier is in a capacity that is no longer available to you. But you you know what's interesting is when I was a skier, I had to have that operation on my knee. So I was only in my 20s when I had Mm. my meniscus out. And I had a lot of, that's when I was getting the cortisone shots and I kept skiing all through that. And I was told that I had 75-year-old knees and then I'd be in a wheelchair and I kept skiing. I just skied on top of the pain and that probably made it worse. But I kind of know what it's like to to to, to keep doing something mm-hmm. when you probably shouldn't be mm-hmm. doing it anymore. It mm-hmm. was hard to give it up. But what I found interesting was this, in your talking points that you sent us before, you're talking about prevention with intention. Mm-hmm. Don't get behind the eight ball with your health. As we age, there's a need to be intentional to build and change, just what you're saying. So, But what hit me was not just to keep doing what we've always done. Right, right. Uh, you can't exercise the same way at 70 that you did at 40. You so can. that's something we need to well, accept. And, and I, I mean, there are the outliers. There's still the 90-year-old that you see running down the street and you think, dang, that's that's pretty that, impressive. That's amazing. Well, don't you think like even like what you're saying when you're saying diversify? I think of cross-training as sort of a thing like that for myself. When I was a runner, I also swam, so mm-hmm. I try to like... Mix it up. I try to mix yeah. it up so that it wasn't... Because even when you see kids playing soccer seven right. days a week, you know those kids are going to have injuries, basketball yeah. players, and they get up and they keep playing. I watch the NBA players, and I think, how do they do this day mm-hmm. after day? They They're trashing their bodies. But <clears throat> a lot of them are now doing yoga, mm-hmm. and they're doing Pilates, mm-hmm. and so I think there's a new way of being active, even as young athletes, don't you? Yeah, well, it all changes over the years. You know, when you're when you're young, you can get away with a lot of that sure. stuff. And you and, can deal with pain oh, easier, absolutely. too. Oh, absolutely. But it ends up being counterproductive at, at some time. I mean, mm-hmm. some some kids now, you know, they specialize in one sport, and they're like 11 years old. And I don't think that's good, because yeah. studies do show that those kids get injured. They really have a hard time psychologically. A lot of them burn out and they quit the sport. And I hate to see people quit a sport. I'd rather Mm -hmm. have them just be a really well-rounded athlete before they, you know, maybe when they're an adolescent, then they can kind of move into one one sport. But it's always good to kind of keep doing that core work, keep doing that flexibility work. And, you know, and then you look at women, you know, they have babies and then they, their bodies change and they can't just run right back into what they were doing before. And they've got to do all sorts of core work after having a baby. And so, and then you get older and and then you go through menopause and it's like when you're 50, oh my God, things just change so much. <laughs> yes, they do. It's just, it's, it's heartbreaking to have people yeah. come in and they're like, oh my God, I'm 50. Well, and I'm, women have, this is the have, end. You have fat that you never had before. And you know. can't lose it. And I think uh, for myself... Does um, it need to be permanent? Well, pil- <laughs> well, pil- well Pilates was a, a big game changer for me because mm-hmm. to me, it's all about that core strength. Mm-hmm. And I learned because I had those back injuries when I was younger. Once I started strengthening my core... Everything got better. Yeah. You know, you sleep better, you yeah. move better, you're more flexible. Right. Talk about loss of flexibility as we get older. You watch yeah. people who can't even touch their toes, mm-hmm. they can't bend over. You know, I have a lot of friends who are aging more rapidly than they should, and it's you don't need to, I don't So think. how do we stay, you're talking about your core, how do we stay strong? I mean, women getting older, we, we need to stay strong. We do. And I think we need to do it, though, in a way that is um, mindful of what your individual capacities are. Mm-hmm. So if you have a history of a of a back injury or you have a history of a knee injury, having somebody that has the skill set, I'm just going to say physical therapy because that's what we know, that Mm -hmm. can can take a look at how you're moving, uh, where your kind of shortfalls are, where the pitfalls are, what you need to do protectively. But 
Pilates, yoga. Um, we do a lot of Tai Chi in our office as oh, well. Great. Yes. Working That's on definitely core. balance. Well, mm-hmm. and balance and mm-hmm. fall prevention. Balance. Mm-hmm. But you can also do, um, you know, other just specific core exercises, uh, like, you know, parts of home programs that we do for people, bridging, you know, leg lifts. Those are all just like planking. Yep, planking. Yeah, planks, weight lifting. Yeah. I was so shocked to find out that my, my doctor kept saying, your left glutes are so weak. And I was like, oh, it's like, oh, so I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> but he told, me, he told me I had to strengthen them. And that was really interesting mm-hmm. to me. I think you probably find people who have, un, you know, in unequal mm-hmm. sides of their bodies are oh, stronger. Absolutely. Is that, that the biomechanical evaluation? Well, it's part of it. You yeah. know, you're looking for asymmetry a lot of yes. the time because that's where a lot of the injury comes from is somebody's got a one ankle that's really stiff well they're going to compensate for that somewhere else so it's looking for those the compensations and all those um just the differences people often are quite different on the right and the left Mm -hmm. you know right hand you know if you're right-handed things can be different it's um but it's going through and evaluating all those things and then figuring Mm -hmm. out what that person what they'll do in the first place. Cause a lot of times, you know, if somebody hasn't exercised or they, or maybe, you know, I love Pilates. I want to, I want to do Pilates. I want to go back to Pilates. Well, let's do that. So it's, it's a hard sell sometimes to kind of get people into some sort of exercise that they've never done before. Mm-hmm. But if you expose them to different things and talk about, you know, like in my physical therapy practice, I'll bring yoga into it and I'll teach people some, they're like, oh, I didn't know I could do yoga. Mm-hmm. And you you can. And there's so many different kinds of yoga that you can't just say, oh, never do yoga. Right. We hear it all the time. I got hurt doing yoga or yes. insert whatever the activity is. I can never mm-hmm. do that again. Mm-hmm. Or like somebody told you never do lunges again. And right. I'd be like, well, you know, I don't know if I would say that unequivocally, don't do it, but you might need to modify how sure. you do it. And and uh, the same with um, yoga or Pilates, you may head into an activity and have a shoulder injury. And for you, the best work will be done below 90 degrees, you know, below a kind of um, horizontal arm raise. And um, as long as you can modify your activities, you could probably can probably participate. But it's being coached. It's sort of having someone that can take a look at you and come alongside you and help you understand what your unique limitations are, and then help you figure out a, a plan for moving forward. I love the fact that I started playing tennis later in life. I started playing in my late fifties, and I play with women. I'm sixty-seven now, and I play with women. One of them is 87 years old. Really? And I have another woman who's 80 who moves like, you know, she moves like she's in her 50s. She's trim. She's fit. Now, she can't move as well, but she's there. And they're mo- a lot of these people are modifying what they do, right. but they love it. And the studies have shown that people who play tennis supposedly live like nine years longer because of no. the socialization. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I yeah. Know that. And, the, and the brain connection. Oh. I think, I've heard purposeful movement right. is really good for your brain and for longevity. So it's so encouraging to me because you, you can age quickly if you're not active. I think that's something I see a lot. If right. you're, in my practice, I said people who don't do anything, you can just sort of age in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And learning a new skill like yeah, that is terrific. so good for your brain. It's I mean, amazing. It just opens up all those synapses. And it's and- fun. I mean, I mean, getting yeah. back to motivating people, I always told people in my practice, and they would say, I hate to exercise. I said, were you active as a kid? And and they'd say, yeah, I was. And I said, what do you like to do? They like to ride a bike. They like to skate. I said, so go back to those things or, mm-hmm. or, or row a boat. Whatever it is that makes you happy, mm-hmm. right. do that. Because if you don't love it, like mo- some people shouldn't run. I mean, their body, right. their body of people are run. just <laughs> not 
meant to be runners. And there's people who are just gazelles, and they're, they're right out of the chute. So I think if you tell somebody you have to run, they're like, ah, no, I don't right. want to run. Right. So it really is. Don't you think it's all about finding what you do feel good about? Right. And like. And what you like to do and what you will do. Dancing and what is you can great. do safely. Yeah. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, a big sport. It could just you know, be going for a walk. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I encourage people to get dogs because then they have to take their dogs. Absolutely. But I think what's really important in this conversation, too, is that, yes, we want to be active and we want to keep moving and we know this and we want to stay strong. And then we, you know, pick up some weights and we say, I'm going to do my Jane Fonda today. So like recently I went to higher weights because I do this. I do several of these things because I know strength training is important and I hate doing it, but I know that I need to do it. So, uh, you know, but I hurt my shoulder every time. I don't know. You need to come see us, Ken. And, and she's got one move that's like killing me. I'm thinking, should I be doing this? No. I don't know. No, 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 no. Not if you're hurting yourself. Should I be doing that? Should I be walking up this very steep hill and then yeah. down? Is this cool? Or I mean, am mm-hmm. I just proving to myself that I can still move? I think if you're asking yourself if you should be doing it, probably not. Well, yeah, you don't. Exactly. It's like you don't. We know that it's important to do strength training to stay strong. We know that we have to keep moving, but we really, you know, it sounds to me like I need to stand, we all need to stand in front of someone like you. You need to check us out. Where are we asymmetrical? Where are we in the wrong spot? And then kind of help us find within those things that interest us and are fun, how best to do those things because... Well, yeah. you're right, because there's so many resources available now, like online. I mean, that's how what saved a lot of people during COVID was know, they right. could find these classes. But the problem was they maybe weren't the right things for that right. person to do. And so if they can come yeah. and see us and we can say, we can go through, you, you can do this, you can do this, you're going to modify this, you don't, don't want do to do this. that. Yeah. Yeah. Plus your form, like your form, I took Pilates classes for a year in a mat format class in a large group. And I, like my one friend says, I was my best, you know, as my own best admirer. I thought I was doing it great. <laughs> then I took, then I took it from a, a woman who is like, Kyle, do this, raise your tailbone, do this. Yeah. I mean, everything. So I mean, many I, modifications. I wasn't doing it horribly, but I wasn't doing it mm-hmm. great. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how you injure yourself because mm-hmm. you know right. you're you know, you're overextending. The off the shelf. I mean, this is what we see with the aging patient in particular is that. And I will say, we're all on a continuum of aging. I mean. You, you know, even our 30-year-olds that have had an injury when they were 20 and the knee that didn't recovery, recover, they may not be the average 30-year-old, but so they need to make modifications early on. Mm-hmm. And so we're all on that continuum and wherever you are, uh, you need assistance not trying to do, some people can do uh, the, you know, pick the box off the shelf, do the standard exercise class that's on a video or on a YouTube. And um, But for many, many people, that's how they injure themselves is mm-hmm. that, and not listening to pain, that pain is an indication to your body that there's some tissue that you're uh, annoying and it's good to stop, figure out why am I annoying that tissue? What do I need to do to make that change? You know, Chronic pain is a little different. Sometimes you have to sort of work through something. But the adage, no, no pain, no gain, and I do, mm-hmm. our dear friend Jane Fonda, go for the burn. And, you know, that was many years ago. That was, you know, considered truth. And I think we know better now, so we should do better, is that um, pain is an indication of tissue damage. And got to get in and figure out, you know, what, what that's all about. And one of the important, I mean, I I think the central foundation of what we talk about here is achieving balance. Mm -hmm. So very relevant conversation when it comes to this, because until we have some balance, um, and, uh, you know, and 
it's hard to know that you do have good balance. The other day, I was spreading hazelnut shells all over my garden. It's a good and, thing to do. Oh, God, gardening has just gotten, it's killing me. I didn't, we planted all this stuff, and now it's all coming up. It's like, ah. And, and I was spreading this stuff, and I wasn't paying attention, and I almost fell down mm-hmm. a whole row of stairs. Mm-hmm. And I fell down a bunch of steep stairs mm-hmm. a few weeks ago at a place we were staying at the beach, and I felt like 100 years old after that. Mm-hmm. I really hurt myself. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I felt so banged up, and it was it was hard getting back out to walk again. I just so babied myself and just felt sorry for myself. You know, it, it's just, so the balance thing has become an issue, and I'm sure it is an issue for anyone of our, you know, over 60s. I don't know when it becomes an issue, but how do we know, don't we need to start with that? And don't we need to have some a, a sense, sense of, is my balance any good? Yeah. Well, that's why you Pilates know. and yoga are so good, because right. every and class... T- and Tai Chi. Tai Chi, and, tai chi yeah, is yeah. the thing that, there. I think it's oh, I one of the few um, activities that's actually been studied objectively to look at uh, its impact on fall prevention. And there's just a great um, relationship between that activity because of the intentionality of the movement, the Mm. slowness and the control. It's hard to move slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, My daughter took it in college and she was an athlete and she said, mom, this is like really hard. hard. She said, it's really hard to move that slow. You're really using Mm -hmm. your muscles. Water is another excellent love water. Mo- medium, but it, there's a high barrier to um, compliance in the water. It's it's hard to get people over the threshold of getting into the pool. It's like you got to drive there, you got to you know change into your suit, and oh, and it smells like chlorine, and I don't want to get in the water with a bunch of other people. And so, but it's there are uh, wonderful social aspects to oh. the hydrofit or to the water exercise programs you mentioned earlier about community and having a community come around you. Uh, we see that actually kind of inside Connect. That's really why we named it Connect Physical Therapy. Mm, mm-hmm. And our tagline is Better Together, that our goal is to listen to every person's story, hear about it, help you set your goals, help you live into those goals, and then um, be able to, you know, uh, to feel the connection or the compassion from our group of providers and um, the ability to to feel supported as you're trying to make changes. That's so important. And this uh, this winter, because of the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. we had a lot of a lot of us could walk outside, and I didn't have a Peloton. I'm not a biker, but I had a pool that was outdoors uh, at West Hills Racquet Club, and it was heated. And in the middle of the winter, you know, it was open, and it was and it was like the nicest community wow. of people. It was just sort of like I didn't really know anybody, and I would meet these people in the pool, yeah. and everybody had their own little lane. You had to stay in your own lane, forty five minutes, and then you had this great hot tub right next door. So to me, the water is yeah. to me. If you have any me kind too. of joint issues, you know, weightless, it's supportive of your joints, and you can do the water aerobics class if you want to. Yeah. to like you said, get, getting to the pool is the hard part. Getting to the pool when it's cold outside and mm-hmm. jumping in the That's water really hard. was really hard but then I kept thinking it is warm water you know and so and then you had the hot tub afterwards but it was wonderful and it was a wonderful way to feel sane and to feel supported mm-hmm. as well yeah how do you, you were talking about community and collaborating and that kind of you know aqua aerobics and getting together with people and there's some mention in one of your talking points about a, being uh, you guys being a guide on the side <laughs> can you tell us more about that well I think that's just the idea of coaching and um you know, it's not about what we want for somebody. It's not about um, our, um, you know, wanting to make everybody into a specific kind of athlete or to to have a specific range of motion or a specific strength. But it's being able to come alongside somebody, uh, lean in, 
set our goals so that they're really obtainable. I mean, I, we can think of a million patients. I, I ha- we've had a delightful patient come into our lives that um, had a lot of barriers to movement, but has probably more determination than anyone I've ever met in my life and has so many barriers to overcome. And she set a goal for herself of walking across the, is it the Tillicum Tillicum Bridge. Bridge. Mm -hmm. And um, that may not sound like an enormous feat, but for this person, that was a huge goal. We worked about six months probably to do that. And uh, there was a day that we all met, and this is the guide on the side, is that um, the goal, we were ready to obtain that goal and ready to meet the goal. So we met her there and um, walked across the bridge. We had a little celebration at the top of the bridge with Mm. a a crown and a cape, and it, you know, you made it. You set this <laughs> well, goal. We, and we thought amazing. she was only going to walk over, but she wanted to go back. Then. Yeah. So then we had to walk her back. We had to walk oh, her back. Yeah. That's, so, that's so, so supportive. That, that's what makes, and Deanne said it earlier, that's what makes it fun. We we love what we get to do. We love being able to come alongside somebody who might feel incapable of doing something, has had to give up a bunch of stuff, so mm-hmm. they're just sitting. Oh, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's try to figure out what you can do, exactly. what you want to do, and then let's set those measurable goals bit by bit and make each bite piece uh, obtainable so you don't feel like, well, I want to run a marathon. Oh, my God, I can't start it. I don't know how to start. So making the pieces obtainable. Well, and finding other people in the community, if we don't know, like, golf. I don't know anything about golf. I'll find you somebody that can help you with your golf swing. You can send them to Kyle. Yeah. yeah. Or tennis, you know, tennis coach. I mean, I think that's the thing is that you, I was going to ask you that when you have somebody like me who comes into your clinic and really can't do a sport for a while, Mm -hmm. how do you keep them? I mean, and maybe they can do it again, but how do you sort of help them sort of take a break and say, we'll get you back there if you know if we can. But how do you sort of keep them motivated not to lose hope? Like Candace did, she couldn't ski, so it's kind of like, now what do I do? How do you keep people sort of on the road mm-hmm. to maybe mm-hmm. I can again and, and stay strong mentally, emotionally? Because it's a lot of emotion, too. Yeah. You're losing your community of people that you hang out with. Mm, that's true, very true in places like tennis like or our golf. Friend, or, our, mutual, mm-hmm. our mutual friend had that happen mm-hmm. to her. Right. Um, you know, had always been an avid te- tennis player her whole life, suddenly couldn't play anymore, had some really serious um, back injuries, and felt... You know, sort of like that whole group of people Undone. that you're in your life mm-hmm. is not there anymore. Yes. Well, you, you go through a grieving process. Very much. Do. And very a lot much. of people get very depressed. I know. It's just so important to have help and just, you know, encouragement. I feel like a lot of time I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I do. We, say, we jokingly say that all the time. We are professional cheerleaders. I mean, yeah. we have obviously extensive professional and clinical <laughs> backgrounds and... and uh, but really, uh, a lot of it is being able to help people meet their potential right where they are. That, um, you know, your potential for recovery and healing at 30 is very different than it is post for the postmenopausal woman. And we, in our work, we have a phrase called adaptive potential. And um, when our bodies start to wear out, when we're 30, we're super adaptive. Sometimes that's not helpful. Like you skied through injuries that you probably shouldn't have skied through. Um, but you just kept going and going because your body's like, oh, I can just pile that on, pile it on, pile it on. And pretty soon the load is so heavy that we collapse. And then we have a big injury that then now we really got to figure out what's going on or really take a long time to recovery fr- recover from. As we age, the ability to have that adaptive potential kind of gets thinner and thinner and thinner. You know, the it just we just don't have the, the same bounce back fl- isn't as quick. The bounce back is not as quick. That's exactly <laughs> right. So at that point, there is um, 
an education and encouragement piece that has to come alongside people to say, you, we might not be able to get you back to do that, but here, let's, let's see if we could figure out this other activity that you could do. And, and we teach classes in our, um, in our office uh, with that I would say have sort of an adaptive nature to them. The um, yoga that Dion teaches is adaptive in its nature of um, limiting ranges of motion or really a lot of instruction. If you listen to Deanne teach a yoga class, there's just constant modifications of several varieties of ways you could attempt Mm. to get into a pose. Some people would call it fussy. I call it precise. (laughs) Yes. Is that kind of yoga where you talk a lot throughout the whole thing? Yes. Yes. And I'm walking around checking everybody. And I've got four different levels. So I don't put the little 70 year old with osteoporosis in with you know the 30 right. year old so it's it's thank you yes you're welcome <laughs> well Candace, you just said something interesting about the thank you i think that's so true that we you know when we get um inhibited by our inability to cross the threshold because i don't want to go back to insert the name uh, fitness club because it's going to be a bunch of 30 year olds in a class that i know i'm a they're going to hurt myself or i'm going to mm-hmm. feel foolish or yeah. i i it's just not fun anymore and so we've you know have we've kind of built out this side of our business this beyond physical therapy about yoga pilates tai chi um, there are several other programs that we would like to continue to expand that meet people where they are keep them in the game don't you don't you don't have to give up but there is the grieving process you definitely Mm -hmm. have to work through the um letting it go and celebrating what you could do what you could do and that was fantastic and awesome and now here's what i can do now and someday you're going to look back on today and be you know 20 years older and look back and go dang i wish i'd appreciated 70 more well, it's kind of like when you, we talk mm-hmm. we've talked about this with weight when we were younger we probably looked a lot better than we thought we looked back then and now we look back and think i wish i could be that mm-hmm. body again mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think we, youth is wasted mm-hmm. on the young mm-hmm. we don't see it what about women who we t- we talk about hormones a lot mm-hmm. here women who are taking hormones are you seeing a big difference in them as they age if they've stayed on the hormones like somebody like myself you know, postmenopausal, but still taking hormones and now has more flexibility, more strength in their bones, doesn't have osteoporosis. Are you seeing them age differently? Can you, can you notice that at all? I don't know if I would say I noticed that. I mean, I have a personal experience with that because I used ERT for a long period of time and then had to come off recently. And I see a big difference in how my tendon and uh, definitely muscle uh, bulk and also just how my joints feel. You said you were using what? Uh, estrogen support. Oh, okay. She had to go off. But um, you know, I would. Th- so I was going to say I see that I saw that a lot with people's muscle tone mm-hmm. and lack of. You know, they don't mm-hmm. have osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. They have stronger bone density. Mm-hmm. Less likely to get injured because if you fall, like I fell this year twice, it was kind of scary, but I didn't break my hip. Mm-hmm. But as we get older, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot easier. Right, and again, the whole concept of fall prevention. So making sure that you know, especially not so much in our. 40s, 50s, even 60s, we're not so concerned about that. But falling after probably 70, mm-hmm. it really sets us up. I, you know, that's a small fall can is often the reason for death for lots of our senior citizens. Right. They hit their heads and have a, a brain yeah. bleed or break a hip and get stuck in the hospital and pneumonia, and that's a downward spiral. So if we can prevent falls, mm-hmm. and so preventing falls is 
if we can prevent you from, um, you know, not having weakness in your hips, having mobility in your ankles and strength in your core, probably going to prevent a lot of falls going forward. So in your exercise routines that you give to people, I'm assuming that you said flexibility, you said strength mm-hmm. and endurance. balance, endurance. And so flexibility is going to be a lot of stretching. Are you going to have some... Uh, some stretching that you're going to be doing or? Yeah, stretching, you know, if somebody's got some tight muscles, then they're going to stretch, but it, it, everybody's on a continuum. Some people are already really flexible and they don't need to stretch and mm-hmm. not everybody needs to stretch every muscle. And so it's just, again, it's, it's really finding what does that person need to do? And then, you know, how much, how much of it is weakness? Sometimes just People just don't have enough mobility because they're weak. And mm-hmm. so then you have to address that. So it's really it's really looking at all of those things. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, yoga, it's just stretching, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not just Lots stretching. Lots of strength. Lots, Lots of Isometric holding mm-hmm. and balance in mm-hmm. that incorporated in that too. Yoga, you realize when you watch those people... Some of the poses that they can't. Oh, my, can. gosh, oh my God. It's just incredible. You can even begin to no, think of No, not at them. all. It's like that pose is not going to happen to me. <laughs> not in this lifetime. Not in this lifetime. I, you know, I'd like to talk about the concept of resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I think of that in different ways. I mean, you're saying you guys are really your, your guides, your cheerleaders. You're beyond the, the exercises. You have to help people have faith in themselves and bring back the resilience of, not so much youth that you're going to do the same stuff you did when you were 30, but the resilience of mind, body, that I can do something new. I can find new ways to get to a place of being active. I can mm-hmm. still be an active adult. Mm-hmm. And then also the resilience of coming back from an injury or you know, finding a way to to, to, to exert the same muscles that you used maybe and you know, get the knee working again. Mm-hmm. How resilient can we get you know, we want to get to that place where we we recover. Or I think of resilience as different than recovery. Actually, I think of it as, as more of physical and mental mm-hmm. kind of. How do you agree. work with that? I I would agree. I think a lot of it is about. Um, there's a physical resilience of um, looking at what is your potential for recovery. So how bad was the injury, right. or what's your what's your <clears throat> surgical situation was, um, and then setting up the ability to on a. Uh, timely, uh, you know, on a timeline, help somebody understand, okay, what what do I expect at week four? What am I going to be able to do? Week 12, what am I going to be able to do? What Week 16. So setting up those expectations, I think having um, that kind of guideline is super helpful. It's, um, it's difficult mentally and emotionally, I think, sometimes when you feel stuck in the middle of something and you can't see your way out. And But if you can get a guideline and a timeline set up, that's super helpful. There's also that um, the um, the balance factor I think that you mentioned earlier, Kyle. That um, psychologically, when you have um, uh, a group of people helping you, uh, encouraging you to move forward, the um, social networking that you have, the um, the mind body connection you have really is helpful about it's almost like a safety net a safety like you net can, yeah like well, the trust fall where right. you can fall well, backwards it's kind of like and... when i went to the gym i've met some friends over the years that became your friend in the yep. gym class yep. and they missed you when you didn't show up right. mm-hmm. and it's like where were you and so you feel that support you kind yeah. of it's really mm-hmm. a nice feeling 
Or I was also going to give the example. We talked about this before we started recording today. A lot of people who are very active playing tennis or racquetball or squash are now moving to pickleball right. because pickleball is a different movement. You don't have to move as, as much on the court. And a lot of older people, that's become the rage. Right. So I think we're seeing a lot of people playing bocce ball. Right. They're still Finding active. Finding a new way. Yeah, they're Finding fun- a new way. They're doing something that keeps them active, keeps them connected to people that they like, they look forward to. Mm-hmm. Well, so. and, and to go back to that mental resilience, I'm thinking of a couple patients that I have who they basically run and walk to maintain their mental health. One has anxiety, one has a terribly stressful job. And they're now in their mid-40s and they can't do as much. Like one woman was running eight miles every morning and walking four miles every night. And Wow. That's a bit much. Yeah. And so, and her body started to break down. And mm-hmm. so I I said, you know, we, it was a negotiation we had. Mm-hmm. It's like, what will, you, what are you willing to cut back to? Because you have got to let your body recover. Because when you get to the, a certain age, your body does not recover from the activities that you do like you did when you were twenty. You have to give it a little more time in between. So mm-hmm. we cut it in half. And she had been a cyclist previously, so I got her back on her bike, and so and that was enough to to help her control her stress and. And it's a, and she's feeling much better. Her legs don't hurt all the time. Right. I think it's always having a goal, but learning to reset goals. And the goal is so motivating and, um, you know, something that you're working towards. We've had them our whole lives. And I think, um, you know, if you've had an injury, being able to see yourself headed back in a, a specific pattern, seeing a return to an activity, return to a sport, um, is uh, a component of that resilient or that uh, the ability to get back in the game. Who are the people that you see that that are that are on the sidelines that feel like they can't work yeah. out, or that I mean, I'm thinking of uh, some of the young gals that I've worked with that are, um, you know, gymnasts mm. or professional dancers, and they haven't had a period, mm. uh, you know, and they're training all the time. Or swim team. My girls were supposed to be at class. Were supposed to be. Uh, at school at 5 a.m. to do the swimming. And I was like, no, you're not going at 5 a.m. I'm sorry. And I was probably a pain in the ass. But I do think <laughs> that, you know, there's a limit to how mm-hmm. much training kids should have. I and mean, do you, anyway, all through our lives, some yeah. of us have been hyper frenetically overtrained. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what does that do to your body later on? Yeah. And do you see well, the to results those, of that? Well, those Yes, those girls who never had a period, and then they get into their twenties and they start. You know, they're still running, and they have mm-hmm. stress fractures. Yes. And yeah. So you have to address that. You know, they yeah, have that's to. A big yeah, hormonal it's component a huge, of all this. huge issue. Yeah, yeah. See the, that a lot. And then there's the exercise addicts, like I think mm-hmm. you were saying, Kenneth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. people can't stop exercise, and they just right. feel addicted to it too much. Too much, and often. Um, we, we, that's where we'll slip in a little bit of biofeedback for our patients about they're using movement as a stress management or an anxiety movement. And I, I don't know why I don't feel better. I'm strengthening so much. I'm running, you know, six yeah. days a week. And I can't lose this belly are, fat either. They are just on yeah. a, you know, a, a downhill, it's like a ball rolling downhill, downhill and they just treadmill. keep gathering, yeah. you know, so much energy and just learning to be able to, we use, we teach breathing. I think that's really almost the first thing every one of our practitioners and our um, practice would teach when, on the first day when you meet somebody is just teach them how to slow down. So teach them how to take a diaphragmatic breath. A diaphragmatic breath is a decreaser to the sympathetic nervous system or a pain response. We haven't talked very much about pain in here, but we we spend a lot of our day um, dealing with people that are struggling with pain. And 
Teaching that slow down, teaching that diaphragmatic breath, um, just for some people, learning how to tune into the other side of activity, the absence of activity in their body is super Mm. powerful um, of learning how to actually produce a relaxation response and not be afraid of it. It's it's a little scary to let go. Is pain something that you find, are we, when you're talking about people you see, is it pain they're experiencing because of their activity? I mean that they that they're working through it, like I described it, myself. They it could keep be exercising a, even with pain. It could be an or, injury. It could be tissue breakdown. It could be you know. Do you have other thoughts about that, Dan? Well, it it could be anything. It could be you know they had a had a fall or right. something like that. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, they're different sources. Or they tore their knee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They sprained their ankle. Or they yeah. have chronic pain. Yeah, they've had yeah. pain for chronic. a really long time. And what what I liked about what Diane said is, you know, we, the talking about the breathing, just learning to calm your nervous system mm-hmm. down. And with the pandemic, I started meditating about a year ago and mm-hmm. I do it almost every day. And I've started to incorporate that in w- with some of my patients, mm-hmm. especially the ones who have a lot of anxiety and, and their pain is worse for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Everything pain. is heightened when you're anxious. And I think the pandemic, people who have anxiety to begin with have been super anxious. Yeah. I loved, I always loved the yoga classes because you'd start out with a good breathing technique and at the mm-hmm. end you do the corpse shavasana. Mm-hmm. Like, and I have had some amazing out-of-body experience mm-hmm. with shavasana. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a good instructor and you're just sort of like floating, you don't even, I remember one time I, I didn't know if I was between here and there. I wasn't <laughs> sure if I could come back. It was kind of like, wow, that was powerful. Yeah, and who else yeah. gives you permission to just lay on the floor for 10 minutes? And it know? is such a powerful experience. Yeah. Just after you've worked your body in yeah. a very balanced way you're, yeah. you know you're doing all these mm-hmm. postures and then mm-hmm. you're laying there breathing it's it's the greatest experience it's also um experiencing a non-painful ex- you know yes. experience inside your own bodies for many many of our patients that's all the only way they describe themselves is um with pain as sort of the center particular chronic pain patients mm-hmm. and being able to have an experience that is comfortable mm-hmm. is um awesome and that they can do it for themselves uh, the wonderful thing about using your breathing and progressive relaxation is you're in charge of that experience no one's doing something to you you're not coming to a practitioner to have them um, touch you or massage you or stretch you or mobilize you, you have the opportunity to be in charge of how your body responds. And it's very it's empowering. I think once you, I think that's the other thing we haven't spoken about was when you do get injured and you're an active person, you've lost control. Mm-hmm. And you're not, you know, you're not used to that. You're used to getting up. Like I think about people who end, end up with a really serious cancer. Life becomes your series of going to the doctor, your visits, mm-hmm. you don't have control of your schedule. Mm-hmm. Same thing if you've had been injured, you can't do your normal routine. Mm-hmm. Everything shifts. Mm-hmm. Like we are talking about the grieving, you have to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Do you work with other providers? Like do you work, do you send people to ever to acupuncture? Mm-hmm. Or do you recommend any supplements that are uh, adjunctive to what you do? Yeah, we don't do a lot in the supplement world. That's outside of the scope of practice. When we're practicing as PTs, okay. that's definitely not in, inside of our scope of practice. But we work with massage therapists and uh, acupuncture, certainly with other exercise professionals like other yoga uh, instructors, Pilates, um, chiropractic uh, in some instances, nutrition. naturopath, that's nutrition. Great. That's great. I, we are careful to stay sort of inside of our practice act, but we, you know, we're 
we've been around a long time, so there's not much that we haven't seen or haven't seen somebody try. And we've learned a lot just of practical life experiences from other practitioners and even from our patients. I mean, I learn something new every single day from a patient, either their experience to something they're trying or something that they bring in from the outside or, you know, it's that's what I think makes what we do fun is that you can say, you know, oh, gosh, you saw f- four patients with knee pain today. Not one of those stories is exactly the same, and, and that knee pain isn't the same. So there are four mm-hmm. very individual components. And so you take a little bit of what you learn from each person, and, and I'll never forget that lesson and take it off and apply it with another and one. And I love the fact that you integrate because a lot of um, – I think in Oregon we're going to see more integrative health care mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. It's nice that you appreciate that sometimes – what you can Absolutely. do has limits and you have to work with somebody else. That's really important in healthcare, I think. I think one, so too. One bit that we haven't uh, discussed at all is people who are actually, um, you know, have a disease state or some kind of a chronic situation mm-hmm. that is difficult, like mm-hmm. Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Parkinson's is meant to, uh, I mean, I remember seeing a, a show about how well people who have Parkinson's can respond or can become more resilient in coping with the disease if they have movement. Mm-hmm. And do you work with people like that to help them create a kind of movement that can... Well, one of the um, practitioners oh. in our office does some neurological rehab. Most of what we do is orthopedics, and so a little mm-hmm. bit more um, uh, on that side. But uh, one of our PTs does have some uh, neurological background, and she works with Parkinson's. There, that's a huge game for PT, though, for sure. And um, balance and mm-hmm. movement yeah. and maintaining mobility, maintaining as much flexibility, mm-hmm. as much strength as mm-hmm. possible, but recognizing that there will be um, some limitations that we don't want to exceed because we don't want to pe- put people at risk mm-hmm. and you don't want to take people outside of their ability level. But there is that delicate balance always. Of, you, athletes find that all the time. You're sort of always pushing your training <clears> level. <throat> and I would say the same would be true as we're recovering, either managing a chronic health issue or recovering from an injury. We're always trying to find the balance between doing enough to keep ourselves moving forward, um, but not so much that we slip over that edge and, you know, and stress a, uh, a body part. And that's back to that prevention with intention right. idea. Right. Yeah. And having somebody that's guiding you along those thought lines. And, you know, we have the luxury, we've practiced in the same geographic area for all these years, over 30 years. And so people that we knew that I, I might have treated, you know, at our population is aged as we have. I'm mm-hmm. in my middle 60s as well. And so people that I might have known and treated when we were in our 30s and they had two little kids and they were playing a lot of tennis or, you know, golfing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you maybe help them with a knee injury or a tennis elbow or something. And then, you know, I won't have seen them for 20 or 30 years. And they now cycle back into our office now in their 60s and beyond. And you see, well, that body that I knew at 30 that had all this capacity for healing and recovery is different. And life, you know, I think Deanne mentioned it earlier that every body tells its own story because, you know, you have a knee injury here or that thing that happened to my hip in 1995. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we all have our own stories. So I think yeah. um, listening to that and assessing that and I love being able to do that, knowing people's story for a long period of time and recognizing this is a person with tremendous tremendous capacity for fitness, tremendous capacity for movement, and a desire to exercise at a certain level. 
um, it's fun to be able to work with people that you've known for a long period of time and recognize that, okay, where we are here today after two total knees is going to be a completely different outcome than it might have been when you were 35 and trying to, you know, hustle it back when to the court. When you say two total knees, you're talking about two total knee replacements? Yes, mm-hmm. that's correct. So what what's your feeling about that? To I mean, uh, what I'm asking here actually is, can we get to a place where, I mean, obviously setting goals and having a, a balanced approach to all this is so important. But if you're a person like me who kind of, I mean, I've had several surgeries. I don't want to do any more surgery. Mm, I don't no. want a knee replacement. No. I honestly do not. Yeah. So, and, and do you, you know, I feel like I can be active enough without going that route. Right. I don't want to be laid up for however well, long. Well, and that's great for you. I mean, how do you feel yeah. about that? Can people get to a place of recovery, resilience without going the full nine and, and what I what I tell yards. people that come in you know we'll see them for a knee problem and they only get to a certain point and they're like boy my life has just gotten so small that mm-hmm. I can't do all these things that I want to do and I'm really having a lot of pain and and I just so it makes sense yeah so yeah. then so then I say well maybe it's time but mm-hmm. you know a lot of times you you want to push that out as far yes. as you can you want to yeah. maximize I, what they can do I agree yeah. and and you're a, a good orthopedic surgeon is going to say exactly you come see me when you're ready it's not mm-hmm. you need to have that total knee done mm-hmm. today right. It's when you're ready and when you've decided that your um, your daily activities are so limited by pain and dysfunction that it's worth, you know, trying to right. do that. I will say, you know, it is on your timeline. We do see patients that sometimes maybe um, struggle longer than they could just they to put should. it off, put it off, yes. put it off. And then they wait that. a really, really long time. And so now maybe they're 80 and deciding to get the total knee and then they have it and they're they feel so much better. They're like, sheesh, I should have done that, you know, seven or eight years before I might have been able to get back on my bike or I might have had some other activities. But it really is, that's, I think, where we're helpful about guiding someone to say, here's here's what we see in your movement. You're, you're not able to exercise. You're tending to gain weight. You've gotten a little bit weaker because your body isn't moving as well. You know, helping people make, um, not necessarily making surgical decisions, but really helping make decisions about how do they, you know, what, what are the best decisions for them? But mm-hmm. everybody, you know, 100% mm-hmm. needs to make that decision because the worst thing you can do is heading to, head into something like that, um, feeling coerced or that you're not ready. It sounds like you're helping people make an informed decision that mm-hmm. maybe they can't make right. themselves. True. Because I think what I have heard, I have, I have many friends like Candace who have the knee thing bone on bone and they want to keep active. And what I've been told by other people, other physical therapists, and even, of course, orthopedic surgeons say this, that at a certain point you lose so much muscle right. tone that your recovery from a knee replacement or a hip replacement is going to be a lot more difficult mm-hmm. because you haven't been able to do the exercise mm-hmm. that you need to stay right. strong because you're compensating. Right. So there's a, I think that you two are probably really gifted in that way and that you can help people say, well, this is where you're at. This is where you can get to without surgery. Because I know I, don't, I didn't want surgery either, right. and it's kind of like, but I knew I couldn't heal on my own. Yeah, if you have to have surgery, you want to go into it as strong as you can right. possibly That's be because mm-hmm. your recovery is going to yeah. be so the, much better. The analogy I always use is, you know, going into surgery is a bit like, you know, being on a ladder and you're going to drop down a couple of rungs just because, you know, we've opened up a body part and particularly if it's a total joint replacement. So if you go into surgery at a level eight and you drop down to a five, 
that's not bad. But if you go into the surgery at a three and you have to drop down three levels, that's a hard restart. That's, that's a, a tough great, restart. That's a great visual. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And right. I, I have a friend whose father's going right now for at 88 for a total hip replacement. My mom just had a total knee at 91. Yeah. And, and this guy, she said her, her dad's been struggling, struggling, struggling. And now he said, basically, I can't live like this. Right. I know I might not make it, but he can't deal anymore. And right. I thought, wow, right. that's so hard. It's a long time to wait. And I think... You know, um, again, we do a lot of prehab in our office, so helping prehab, people... Prehab, that's a new term. <laughs> that's uh, helping people, uh, you know, they're considering, mm-hmm. okay, gosh, I'm, I may, I can see the clock ticking. I know at some point I'm going to have to address this. So what do, I, what do I do to set myself up to be higher up on that ladder? And there will be some things that some people won't be able to do because joints limit or pain so is limited. So they'll just limiting. get a facelift instead. <laughs> <laughs> What's, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, we talk about that, that people do amazing using things to the outside of uh, their bodies. You talked about that in your talking yeah. points. It's and, true. And, and, and yet, spend lots of money. And spend yes. lots of money. money. We yes. get our nails done and our eyes done and a lot of sh- stuff shot I in our faces know. to look the way the outside world should tell us to look. It's hard to convince ourselves and sometimes. And we're crumbling inside. And we're crumbling inside. And, you know, <laughs> you may need she to laughs. think about investing a little bit. That's that 401k idea. I love of, it. You know, you invest for your future retirement. You invest for your vacations. You invest for your car uh, acquisitions. But you might have to set aside because not everything is fee-for-service insurance, right? You, If you have an injury and there's a diagnostic code and you can go see a physical therapist and they can bill your insurance company, that's one thing. But a lot of what we're talking about are sort of the maintenance or preventative things. Out of and, pocket. And those do fall outside of the realm of the fee-for-service traditional work. And that's sort of what we're where, where we're aimed with this beyond physical therapy. And I would, but I, I would like to think that the, prevention, what you're practicing, would help people be able to possibly avoid having to have total knee replacements and hip replacements down the road were we to get ourselves biomechanically evaluated and have a good program. Or falling and losing and having incredible hospital bills and rehab bills. And I always tell people, you know, who sort of hesitate before they'll spend X amount of money on a massage or acupuncture or physical therapy, you either pay now or you pay later. And when you pay now and you do prevention, you're paying a lot less later in in, in your injury, in your pain, in your functionality. I paid $1,000 out of pocket for a stem cell. And we talked about this before. We don't know that stem cells work for everybody, but for me, it worked amazingly well, and it was worth it. It wasn't that much money to invest and say, does it work? Give it a go. Give it a go. And so I think with massage and all this, like I did fascial stretch therapy, there's a lot of things out there Mm -hmm. that are so good for your bodies. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, I think it's just, I think we have to prevent. I think that's the bottom line from what you ladies are talking about, how to prevent the future injuries and and really live with the the old ones and Mm -hmm. be as functional as we can. Yeah, we would love it to be a situation where people come in and they have a tune-up every year. I I had a gal I saw the other day. She's in her 30s. She'd been an ultra-marathoner. She decided... You know, she had this really stiff, big toe, which is pretty painful. If you, mm. if you haven't had it, it's very okay. painful. If you've had a bunion, and she she decided, you know, I'm gonna maybe cut back on my running. And you know, two years later, she comes back in. She's doing great. She said, I just wanted you to check and make sure everything she's was still okay. Running? She's running some, but not as much. And uh-huh. she's kind of diversified. She's yeah. gone into some other <clears throat> sports. Yeah, that's great. And, and this is a young woman. A this young isn't. Woman. You know, we talk about diversifying as we get older because we're having to take things off of our plate or just. We only want to spend our, our running equity one or two days a week. But this is, you know, a great example of that concept of 
saving well for the future, that so yes. not beating a joint yeah. to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so smart. Right. Somebody taught her how to listen to her body. Huh? <laughs> That's yeah. really great. You you mentioned the biomechanical assessment part and and the you know kind of planning ahead. I and hopefully the P, the pelvic PTs when they come and chat with you guys in a bit, we'll talk about this. But it's you know when we're younger, we are so adaptive and our bodies get over an acute injury, and I was, I'm thinking particular childbirth and um, mm. pelvic alignment. In- I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I think that it's, I think uh, the P- pelvic PTs will correct me if this, if I'm wrong about the study, but I think there was a study in France that in France, um, all women postpartumly have, I think it's six or seven physical therapy visits that are, I, wow. are not just recommended, but almost not required, but are really encouraged after every um, birth to restore their pelvic, make sure the pelvis is aligned well, Brilliant. that they've got the pelvic floor muscles turned on, that they've got their core turned on, got their hips where they belong. And they see the lowest rate of um, hysterectomy in that country. And I think also that we probably- That is huge. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. amazing. And it's that prevention with intention. And I would say yeah. the same thing of the 30-year-old that has a slip and fall on her bum. Boy, my hip kind of hurt, but I got over it and I'm so busy with my family. Right. Doesn't come back and figure it out until we see them, you know, 10 years later and they've worn out the inside of their knee because their hip didn't function well. And so I think really just paying attention to um, uh, finding a practitioner that can help you keep yourself tuned up and... We're so lucky, though. I mean, I was 19 when I had the first car accident. I lived back in New Mm. York, and my doctor gave me Flexeril. Nothing else. You know, I remember thinking, got through my pain that that summer, and I never, ever had any treatment for it. Then I got into another accident when I was a little bit older. Went to a chiropractor, totally different. Don't go game. driving anywhere with no, Kyle. No, I no. was gonna say <laughs> no, no, no. I was no, I was a nurse, and I, we were picking up a four hundred pound woman, and she moved funny, and we all oh, tried to catch no. her, and it was horrible. And I saw so I pulled my Good back out, God. but um, so I remember going to a chiropractor. And it was a whole different ball game. It was all learning structural movement, how to learn, you know, flexibility and core strength. Yeah. And I wasn't put on Flexeril, and like so, it wasn't like a, you know negating the pain, so I erasing the pain, so I would keep doing whatever I did. You know, you hear about people getting the cortisone shots; it takes away the inflammation, so you keep doing the movement oh, that hurts right. you. It's not very good for you. So I think we have a whole different way of looking at the body now, more holistically, and saying, "Don't keep pushing through the pain. Right. Learn new movements to strengthen yourself, and then go back." And And even maybe to begin with, to have a more diversified portfolio when you're dealing with exercise, like people that are really good at something, they keep doing that thing. Right. Yeah. And they keep doing, you know, my my son-in-law is a soccer player and he injures himself all the time. He's really good at it, but he plays a lot. He injures himself. That's his main thing. Mm -hmm. I think he also does surfing and some other stuff, but... It does seem like when you're really good at something, you tend to do more of that. Oh, sure. That, do you find right. that oh, to be true? And yeah. that's where you can really be straining particular. It's just like when you're doing strength training, you're not supposed to be doing the same exercise well, all yeah, the time. Well, yeah, think about it. If you're doing the yeah. same thing over and yeah. over, you're over. You never have it. You never get to recover. And, and they're like, also yeah. like a, a, some of the, um, you know, the industrial injuries, the repetitive motion injuries. Mm-hmm. We can see repetitive mm-hmm. motion injuries in, mm-hmm. in sure. athletes. I think Deanna De- and I were talking the other day, and you, you mentioned something about just the complete athlete and that what happens for yeah. young young athletes in particular that play a single sport? Well, we talked about that yeah. earlier, you know, that they they develop overuse injuries because they're specializing in a sport at too young of an age. Mm-hmm. And then, and actually, um, like a lot of times with my runners even, I will introduce the concept of variety. It's like yeah. you don't run, some people run the exact same route every single day. And, 
you can't do that. That's a complete recipe for an overuse. Who, well, who knew? Well, remember Michael yeah. Jordan, I'm back in the day reading about him, what a great bas- we all know what a great <laughs> basketball player he was. He did ballet. Yeah. And I thought, you know, a lot yeah. of these athletes do something that does, you yeah. know, sort of balance out what they do and make them better athletes yeah. and also allows them to recover. You can't pound your body up and down a basketball court every day right. and get, get knocked down and, and when, expect to play. One of the things that we love to do is educate our patients as well that um, we, we feel that when people understand the mechanics of what's happening, I mean, we spend a lot of time with body parts in, in our um, treatment rooms with patients, ex- un- helping them understand the mechanics of the joint, how the joint should move, where their stress points are, and then how we are setting up a, um, a, a program for them so that they can participate almost in their future prevention if they really understand oh gosh when i see my knee headed in in towards my other yes. knee i ne- i know something's going on and i've been taught you know about that so educating them and then that empowers them to participate in their recovery so and I, my goal for my patients i tell them when they come in my goal for you is to be in better physical shape and better have better movement patterns than before you were even injured I want mm-hmm. you to actually be a better athlete, a better mover than you were before you had your injury. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so it's not just restoring, it's imp- improving or empowering. So Do you wish like- that more people would come to you just asking you yeah. to help them come up with a, a proper balanced program of exercise so they don't become injured? Sure. Prevention is a blast. I mean, Do you, <laughs> do you, get, class, you get those do you classes uh, other than just having people come to you as patients? Do you actually offer classes? Um, we're just developing. We have this other, you know, kind of um, side of our business called Beyond Physical Therapy, and we, we are growing that, growing that, growing that, and that's... Um, um, uh, ho- a goal for this next year, actually, is that we could expand our space a little bit and um, grow into some of those exact kinds of things where um, we would have more space for health education about um, proper movement and, and injury prevention. Awesome. And then, well, this great. has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. Is there anything else that you ladies feel like we haven't spoken about that you really feel like we wanted to address before I don't know. We, we love what we do. We could go on forever. Uh-huh. Well, you know, this has been amazing. I mean, you ladies came up with this conversation, which, you know, we, you, you said you listened to one of our podcasts about exercise, which was for exercise for the average person who didn't have an injury. Mm-hmm. So this is such an important topic. This is an enlightened it aspect. Is, and I love, I mean, I don't think I ever, I never had physical therapy before this year. So I didn't really understand what physical therapy was about. And this has been like, and you guys took it to the next level, oh, which okay. I love. It's super fun. We, we love what we get to do. I mean, really, I, we, I'm, this is my 42nd year of being a PT. I, every day is fun. Every, you get to impact somebody's life, that. help them figure out um, an issue that's keeping them from getting to do the things they love, and then maybe helping them figure out how to do it a little differently and be um, encouraged by it. And that. it's a real partnership. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's a privilege. It's, we don't do things to mm. people. We work with them. And, right. and we want our patients to take responsibility for they're part of it, and yeah. but we you're work both, you're together. You're both very motivating, and you're also great role models, I think, and that makes a difference, too. If you walk into a clinic and you see people that look healthy and look functional, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to, to listen to what you're saying and, mm-hmm. and take that advice. Mm-hmm. So, so if I um, were to um, come to work with you gals, I would expect to be walking on a tightrope <laughs> at some point, because that's really well, what I want to do. Well, not day one. Not day one. Maybe by day three, I went tightrope walking. That's my goal. You have to wear special clothes That's for that. Though. Well, yeah. you just didn't. You, you have, have to, to tell us how high off the ground that tightrope is. <laughs> she's going to do a rope on the floor. Exactly. Well, here we are at the end of this WTF 
Women Talking Frankly podcast episode. In signing off, we want you to remember that what you are feeling is not all in your head. And that you have so many options to choose from to get you back to balanced living. Until next time, be well. And remember, if you want a great life, you need to ask great questions. Be courageous. Ask for what you need. With love, Kyle and Candace. Our website is womentalkingfrankly.com, where you can find all of our episodes, check out the show notes for resources, articles, and remedies, and where you can also feel free to email us with any questions, a hormone story, anything you'd like us to share with our listeners. Women Talking Frankly, WTF, is produced by Dan Rigger of Medicine Whistle Studios in his lovely Southeast Portland, Oregon studio. We want to thank our webmaster and dear friend, Deb Hollister of Pure and Simple Graphic Design. We also want to give a shout out to all of our family, friends, and patients for all of their support and encouragement to start this podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch.